If there's one thing I've always loved, it's cooking myself a good meal. And I mean a really good meal. But I gotta say, lately I've been so busy, I think I'm just running out of ideas. I always go to the store and I'm so overwhelmed. I mean, do I want a zucchini or a cucumber? Do I want this? Do I want that? Not to mention, I just, I don't know how fresh these ingredients are. And I'd like to know that I'm eating quality food. HelloFresh gets me right out of that cooking rut. It takes the guesswork out of meal planning, and there's over 40 recipes to choose from every single week. Not to mention, the produce is farm to door for peak ripeness for a bunch of different chef-crafted recipes. So come on, what are you waiting for? Go to HelloFresh.com 50Shadow and use code 50Shadow for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com 50Shadow. Use code 50Shadow for 50% off plus free shipping to receive America's number one meal kit. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I could imagine the Vanaras just jumping from tree to tree or even at, at, a, at a very fast pace and then fruits flying all over the place and the sound of joy, laughter and all that kind of stuff. And that is when I, um, this tune for the song actually hit me. And then when I, when I came home, I read through the script again and I went back to my brother's place in Chennai and that's where I wrote the first few lines on the song and then wrote the lyrics for it. So it's like, Be Marupa Sundara Prachanda Maruti Deena Nata Deva Rama Dutta Murati. So it's like a march. So it's like a group of Vanaras uh, marching around with joy and carrying the little boy with them so that he's part of the journey. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome to the True Fiction Project. I am your host, Renita Hora, and I have with me on today's show, Kanix Kanikeshwaran. Now, Kanix is somebody I have known for a while and who I have worked with on uh, another podcast project that is Shadow Realm, which uh, we have developed together based upon a young adult novel a young adult fantasy fiction novel that I wrote. At some point, I was interested in exploring the idea of a musical story. And as luck would have it, I was brought together with Kanix, who became my partner in this endeavor. So hi, Kanix. So nice to be on this show. Thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. And I think I might have explained to you, Kanix, the premise Mm -hmm. of the True Fiction Project. I'll just quickly explain that again, because this one we're doing a little bit backwards, I think, today. Mm -hmm. So the idea of the True Fiction Project really is to pull 
fiction out of nonfiction. So typically what we do is we have these nonfiction interviews with real characters out there in the world. And then based upon that, we sort of throw the interview out to a fiction writer to see what inspires them. They create a main character based upon what they pick up in the interview and create a story around it. But we're doing this a little bit topsy-turvy today because we mm. have already worked on Shadow Realm. And yeah. for you, that was very much about the music. So let's launch right into it. This sure. is a fantasy fiction story. I gave you my book to read. At that time, it was a middle grade novel called When Arya Fell Through the Fault. Yeah. What happened after that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was quite a while ago. I think it was in 2017 or maybe late 2017 that you gave me the book, I think. Then I read it. Then I read it a couple of times. And then you and I talked about, about it and figured out. And we were wondering how to, at that point in time, it was just going to be like an audio book. And uh, you wanted some music to be in the background. But when I read it, but you also talked about the possibility of including some chants in Sanskrit because uh, the uh, the way the story moves, there's uh, uh, quite a connection it strikes with the ancient language of Sanskrit because uh, because of the connection with the epic, the Itihas, um, Ramayana. So I shared with you some of the earlier work that I'd done uh, on mantras for peace and uh, interconnectedness and all that. And so we got talking and, you know, I've read the, a book a few times and I was wondering where to get started started with it and then one day it just hit me and uh, so this is when I look back at it see the way where is that where it actually hit me was probably where the story could have even happened because in 2018 I made a trip to Hampi which is in uh, this uh, the upper part of uh, the state of Karnataka in southern India and which is mm -hmm. the site of the Kishkinda area, which is described in the Ramayana in the in the epic, and uh, there it's like there are caves dedicated to uh, uh, some of the Vanaras, and uh, this this uh, hilltop, which is supposed to be the place where uh, Hanuman came back from uh, Lanka, carrying a piece of jewelry with him, and so on and so forth. So. But more than so that, just quickly to interject, just to put it in context for our listeners today, mm -hmm. this is a young adult fantasy fiction story. It is based, the setting, if you will, it, it's about a near 16 year old boy who falls through a fault in San Francisco and finds himself in the land of the Ramayan. The Ramayan is the epic that you're referring to, Itihas, mm -hmm. one of the ancient epics of India where he has to negotiate a journey through the Ramayan land and learn how to deal with demons in order to get back home, save his mother and tackle the demons in his ordinary world. So that's the premise. And mm -hmm. back to you, Kanix. You, in order yeah. to sort of discover what you wanted to do, you found yourself in South India at yeah. Humpy. Mm -hmm. which were, which is believed to be one of the sites, um, you know, that is talked about in the Ramayana, right? Yeah, particularly with reference, with reference to the Vanars. The, um, which are, the Vanars what are Vanars? And Hanuman and uh, Sugriva and so on and so forth. The Vanars yeah. are described in the epic. There are a few different descriptions, but there's something between a man and a monkey. And when I say description, it's really interpretation from Sanskrit. Uh, mm. You know, there's no direct translation, really. It's, it's verse and it's how you interpret it. 
So loosely, they might be referred to as monkeys or monkey people, but I don't think that's exactly true. I think my read is that they are... Prehistoric people. Yes, perhaps a prehistoric people. Representing uh, the transition between um, one way, which is a way of uh, um, a distinct transition to humanhood, so to say. So they have the perceptory capabilities which are not available to human beings, yet they can converse with human beings. Correct, correct. So my read in the story, the protagonist, Arya, um, believes and talks about the fact that the Vanners and he, so he's a boy and the Vanners are Vanners, but the idea is that we have both descended from the old world tribes. Now, where Mm -hmm. the Vanners are today, have they gone extinct? Are they just hiding out somewhere? That's what the story explores. So back to you. Yeah, thank you. So uh, I was actually wondering where to start with the start the music. With it. So was was the music going to be rooted in the United States in San Francisco, or what it was going to start from somewhere in India? So I wasn't very sure. So when I made this trip to uh, the region of Kishkinda, so it's, it, things automatically started to unravel, and uh, I was remembering the scene which I'm going to read out to you from the from the script. So it's like, um, this is how it goes. The movement of the Vanaras. They scampered through the trees at a pace that forced me to run in order to keep up. We trampled over the knee-high grasses and through the shrubs, sending fruits and berries flying in all directions. And moments later, we arrived at what looked like a natural jungle gym. Scores of banyan trees with suspended roots stood throughout this part of the forest. See, so the key line here is this, the one that the line that inspired me was we trampled over the knee high grasses and through the shrubs, sending fruits and berries flying in all directions. So it's like the scene was very vivid in my mind, even when I was walking through the hills of Kishkinda. It's like uh, um, I could imagine the Vanaras just jumping from tree to tree or even at, at, a, at a very fast pace and then fruits flying all over the place and the sound of joy, laughter and all that kind of stuff. And that is when I, um, this tune for the song actually hit me. Um, and then when I, when I came home, I read through the script again and uh, um, I, I went back to my brother's place in Chennai and that's where I wrote the first few lines on the song and then wrote the lyrics for it. So it's like, Be Marupa. Sundara Prachanda Maruti Dina Nata Deva Ramaduta Murati. So it's like a march. So it's like a group of Vanaras uh, marching around with joy and carrying the little boy with them so that he's part of the journey. So, and there's nothing else that can describe that journey than sheer joy. And it's pretty much this one line that captures the essence of it in the script. And that's what came alive when I started singing it. And once I, I started singing it with a little bit of MIDI programming and then uh, imagining the orchestration, it's I could imagine it come to life. And, life. and when I shared it with you, Renita, I remember you were thrilled uh, even at the first shot because I wasn't sure because this is not, this song was not really part of the script when we were going to get into the uh, whole idea of a podcast. But all of a sudden, the song um, stands out as uh, almost like a character in the whole thing, you know? Absolutely. I was thrilled back then and I am still thrilled today. Connects. Firstly, every time I listen to that particular song, <laughs> it is so mm. uplifting. I want to be one of those Vanners or at least with them, you know, the little child in me sort of tumbling through the forest 
branch to branch, tree to tree, you know, through the yeah. wild grasses, exploring mm-hmm. whatever there is to explore and find and discover. So it is so uplifting. It always puts me in a happy mood. And to your point, I had never experienced this. I had written this book, which, yeah. you know, writing writers will tell you it's a very lonely exercise. You sort of, it's you and your imagination and then mm-hmm. the edits again and again and again. But never had my work been sort of taken and put to life and put to music. This is the first <laughs> time. So I was in tears. Now, Kanix, can you, yeah. those two lines of mm-hmm. the of the Vanar March that you just went through, can you explain to our audiences what they mean? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, they are in the in the language of uh, language Sanskrit, which is it's, which is a very ancient language. It's uh, it's a powerful language, and uh, the words themselves have a uh, the, depending on the way you structure them, they themselves have a rhyme to them. The word each word means uh, like, for instance, uh, Bhimarupa Sundara Prachanda Maruti. So the strong um, personality that is Hanuman. Um, who is uh, who exhibits strength and he, he is so beautiful to look at and Dina Nata Deva Ramaduta Murti. So he he is the messenger of uh, Ram and he goes looking for Sita. He goes, he confronts um, Ravan with his strength, but yet he goes there as a messenger, as a messenger of Ram. So he's Ramdut. And then uh, Dina Nata, he is the one you can look look up to him for strength in moments of weakness and see and hear the, the lines in your uh, script say all that here Renita. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, so where Chimpu says and a sure sign of victory of good over evil and what is a sure sign of victory and that's Hanuman's flag it stands for stability mm-hmm. equilibrium and mind control so the entire song with all its rhyme and rhythm and all that it's still rooted in something very solid and that is that's what it stands for: stability, equilibrium, and mind control. And yet, it's there's so much of energy. So, if you can visualize banners of every possible shape and size, old with wrinkled faces, and young and energetic ones with mothers holding furry babies peeping out from behind the leaves. I'd never seen anything like this before. So, <laughs> I mean, this is enough to strike any musician's imagination, and that is what <laughs> I think. That's what happened to me when I wrote this song. So I'm glad you had as much fun with it or more perhaps even than I did. Again, some context for our listeners. Chimpu is one of the Vanars that Arya, the protagonist, the main character, meets along the way. In fact, one of the he becomes a good friend of his and he he is Arya's supporter, just as Hanuman, the immortal Vanar, was Ram's supporter in the original epic. Now, Kanix, you took mm-hmm. this trip to Humpy. And yeah. you described it to me in vivid detail. I remember. Yeah. I remember asking you almost facetiously, did you have any sightings? And you gave me this wonderful answer. Do you remember what you said? Uh, yeah, I said, I, I think I cited the medicine woman. So tell us, <laughs> who is, yeah. what is the medicine woman? Um, the medicine woman is a surreal representation of the spirit of Arya's mother. And it's not just Arya's mother. I think it's everybody's mother. Is pretty much a source of knowledge. It is some. It's uh, or knowledge is not the right word. Wisdom. Wisdom is the right word here because she tells you some very obvious truths. Like uh, way down in the story, there's a question there, uh, Renita. That's a very profound question, and I knew the answer right away when I read the question. So the medicine woman, whom uh, Arya meets in the mid, in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the woods, 
So she has this uh, almost like a mermaid, mermaid kind of a presence. It's uh, sur- she is real at the same time she's not uh, not there, and she's singing away. At least in my imagination, she was singing, and then she caresses. Uh, uh, she she gently puts Arya at ease. I mean, here's a young teenager whose mind is loaded with thoughts and uh, uh, restlessness, and he comes there, and this the presence of this woman puts him to rest immediately. There's a sudden sense of calmness that he feels and she asks him to get, get some medicine to cure a wounded vanara. She directs him to find a find an herb in the jungle that has no medicinal value. So the, the, the when I read that question, I, the, 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 when I read the book for the first time, the first thing that hit me was why is this question being posed in this book? Because this, there cannot be anything that is of no value at all because everything in na- nature has a purpose. But then I realized as I read through the pages was the the purpose of framing the question was to let the teenager discover the answer for himself. So he goes Mm -hmm. through the jungle and finally concludes. He looks at every single blade of grass, literally, and finds out that everything that's growing in the jungle has a purpose. It's not just the jungle. It's it's the entire universe. The entire universe, every object of creation has a purpose. And in this case, when you're talking about herbs, each one of them is an oshad, uh, uh, something of medicinal value. So that's what he learns and he comes back to her. Um, so from that standpoint, the medicine woman is, serves a very, very, uh, conveys a very, very important message, that of sustainability, that of uh, respect for every aspect of creation and uh, all that kind of stuff. Which is why I just couldn't get over the fact when you said that, you said, yes, I cited the medicine woman. I love that. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this yeah, is so the imagination. When I was walking- <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, it was your your imagination. But when I was when I was walking around, I saw this woman with very long hair. It's kind of matted hair, and she was walking in silence. And there were people around her. She didn't reply. I didn't see her face, but I'm, it's probably a good thing that I didn't see because it. So that way, I could imagine what she looked like. And uh, she just walked away. And the first thing that hit me was yes, okay, this could be someone like the medicine woman. So when I came back to Chennai and text, texted you that. Uh, the trip to Kishkinda had inspired me totally. So you asked a one-line question. So any sightings? And I said, of course, the medicine moment. <laughs> <laughs> so Kanex, I would love to ask you a little bit about the Rishi G's theme, which is another musical piece you created mm-hmm. uh, around the Rishi G. The Rishi G was the forest sage, the forest hermit, who is a mentor mm-hmm. to Arya along his journey. And... The fictional piece that I would like to play following this interview is actually a chapter or an episode. It's episode eight, and it um, it involves Arya meeting the Vanars for the first time, but also connecting with the Rishiji. Mm-hmm. So tell me, the Rishiji. I don't want to say too much. I want to. I want to leave it to you. But there's something about the Rishiji's music that is mysterious and magical and leaves you again asking for more, wanting more, tell us more. The Rishiji's theme was something that I created after coming back here. So the Vanar's theme is the one that came first and that pretty much guided everything that came after that. So there was so much of fun and frolic and jumping around there. But then just reading this, reading the book, it is pretty clear that the role of the Rishi was something very different. It's, it's, it's in the world of yoga. So here's a stabilizing presence of a master who, is, who has attained mastery over his senses, over his body, 
over his uh, mind, over his thoughts, and uh, is borderline possessive of uh, supernatural powers. Again, what is supernatural? Anything that we think is not natural, anything that we think is beyond nature is what is supernatural. So this is a person who has reached that stage and he becomes visible to Arya. And yet at the same time, Arya is able to correlate him with somebody whom, whom he already knows. Should I give that away? or uh, Yes. I mean, yeah, you're not so, giving anything away because, you know, readers still have to read this, listeners still have to listen to this to discover. So I, by mentioning, I don't think you're giving anything away necessarily, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so he relate, correlates him back to a character in his school, and uh, that is the elderly, wise janitor who always has a, has a word of comfort for him anytime he runs into trouble. So it is only natural that somebody like that should manifest himself in this uh, in the surreal world, so to say. So I get a lot of dreams. Okay? So yesterday we were talking about the phrase, thagya, so, which means I'm tired. So we, I remember that it was one of my friends from the past who used to say that. And last night I had a dream that where he appeared and said that phrase. So it's like dreams are crazy. So how they, he um, as in your friend or the Rishiji? And my friend, yeah. My friend who, to me, is like a Rishiji, actually. So I see. So in that sense, it's that they are, they are connected. So anyway, so Rishiji materializes, literally materializes in front of him. And there's no walk here. This It's a sense of somebody being there for one second and some somebody not being there during an instant in time. And then the next second or next microsecond, they're there. And then the next microsecond, they're not there. It's a very fleeting presence. And yet, at the same time, this person is able to guide you. They are, they are able to read your thoughts. And uh, so I created music for yoga in the, in the past, and I continue to create music that can go with yogic, uh, yoga-related uh, postures and in the, nat- in the nature of meditation, so in, in the sphere of meditation, so to say. So I used a pentatonic scale because that's the only thing I could think of. And then uh, the, the script talks about a mantra called the Gayatri Mantra, which is very central to Indian uh, spiritual life. And uh, I'm going to let uh, Vinita speak about the mantra. And first of all, the concept of a mantra, it's, it's not mantra as we talk about in project management or anything like that. It's something more deep and more uh, connected to the soul than that. And the Gayatri Mantra itself is, why don't I give it to you, uh, Renita, before I go <laughs> ahead with the music after that. Okay. I, I do think, I hope... I think, I believe that many listeners would be familiar with the Gayatri Mantra, which is one of our oldest, oldest Vedic mantras. And I think, you know, certainly with the advent of yoga and the popularity of yoga, it's actually repeated in yoga settings now, mm-hmm. everywhere, pretty much everywhere. So at, at some level, even if you didn't think you were familiar with it, you know you've heard this. I have to say, when you mentioned a little bit earlier that you might be giving something away, I thought that mm-hmm. you were going to mention that the Rishiji was in fact Rishi Vishwamitra. Okay. Uh, because we do, mm-hmm. Arya does discover that along the way. And Rishi mm-hmm. Vishwamitra was the Rishiji, the mentor to Ram in the traditional epic. So I wanted to ask you how much that sort of impacted you as you were thinking about creating the Rishiji's theme? See, the association between Vishwamitra and the Gayatri, Gayatri Mantra is something that had that 
uh, naturally came out both in the script as well as in the in the music and secondly mm-hmm. the references in the epic of uh, vishwamit vishwamitra um giving weapons out to ram as uh, so, so both of them both of them supported each other ram supported vishwamitra in um, taking care of the space where he carried out his uh, uh, tapa his japa and tapa and uh, yagya and all the kind of stuff and uh, uh, in order to prepare him for his destiny vishwamitra gives him the uh, the weapons along with the instructions on how to use them okay so that's a direct portrayal in this epic so in this in this work in this uh, in the story of arya so so this there's many dimensions to it one is arya is already aware aware that this has happened because mother is read out to him stories from the ramayana and then when mm-hmm. he sees his um, see somebody um whom he is able to relate to as a mentor and who also uh, blesses him with weapons later on so the the connection between the two parallels become very evident so that one between ram and uh, vishwamitra and the other one is between arya and rishi ji and uh, if you look at the rishi ji's theme of music first this very serene humming and then i have a saxophone playing see the saxophone place the pentatonic scale which is raga bhupali or what we call mohana which is the, the raga that pleases you and um, um so the sa- saxophone refers you back to some of the earlier pieces of music which happened in san francisco so that shows that uh, um the level of connectedness between the real world and the unreal world and then there's the mantra at the end of which this is um Uh, almost like a sense of realization of uh, uh, wings fluttering and arya taking flight right away there thanks to his new acquisition and this is this is an acquisition which he slowly comes to learn that it is not just uh, a set of weapons but something that would help him transcend multiple levels and uh, both in terms of learning how to use them because these are powerful tools that are not to be misused absolutely so yeah so the music kind of projects that serenity up front almost like you're on the banks of a lake or this wa- this ripples of water out there and the sun is falling on the lake and then the rishiji's presence is he's literally floating in the air he's here for a second he's there for another microsecond and then this boy is in amazement and stands looking at the whole thing in amazement now all he can hear is the gayatri mantra that is uh, just floating through space there which the rishi ji actually uses as he powers up the weapon to mm-hmm. give to arya a little later to help him along his journey kanix yeah. i love the way you describe it because to me it's it's just the story i imagine just coming to life and listening to somebody else speak it i mean as a storyteller i don't think i could ask for more there's so much i want more that i want to ask you and talk with you about unfortunately we are coming up to time so uh we are going to be playing the fiction piece but is there anything else that you wanted to say i mean there's there's a lot more um talking about shadow realm that we're going to do tell us a little bit about the music where it's going to be available or anything else you'd like to say yeah first of all it was uh, so much of fun creating this music and honestly when i read when i saw the book for the first time i didn't know that it was going to be so much fun um i had to read through it a few few times to let it sink into me and then um the scenes came alive particularly after the trip to hampi 
or Kishkinda, so to say. So there's like 14 tracks that we are releasing um, along with the podcast. And uh, many diff- some of these are very soothing lullaby kind of themes. One of the songs is actually in English, which is, um, which is what Arya hears the medicine woman singing. And then uh, there's, there's another mother's theme, which is very, um, which is very lullaby-like and uh, which, with, with a few chants in, in between. And then there's all this action music, the March of the Vanas, and there's also the battle march. Then there's some battle music featuring some old chants and um, uh, this power in all of them. So it's tremendous variety of music. And uh, even the process of recording was, it, it, it was remotely done coordinating people from uh, a few parts of the world here and there. Um, but when it all came through and when I listened to the final mixes, that's when I could imagine this coming alive on screen and uh, with the characters interspersed. And when I, when you actually mix the music with some of the dialogues and send those rough mixes, but to me, that's it, the whole thing seemed to make sense. It was almost like, the music was meant for this uh, script and it was almost written before that these two should go together, you know? Kanex, thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today on the True Fiction Project podcast. Shadow Realm is out. It's available. You can look for it wherever you look for your podcasts. And if you'd like to follow the story of Aria, learn more about Kanex and the music that uh, has been created for this wonderful show, uh, please join us at theariachronicles.com. The music is also available on Spotify, Apple Music, and uh, the other streaming platforms. Is that right, Connex? Absolutely. And when you listen to it, listen to the music, please do put in your comments and your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us today, Connex. Thank you, Rita. And now to the premise of the True Fiction Project which, of course, is to create fiction out of nonfiction. You heard me speaking with Kanex in this interview about the March of the Vanars. That's the piece of music that actually sparked his imagination in creating the soundtrack. And we also spoke about the Rishiji's theme, the magical forest sage and the Gayatri Mantra. So we're now going to play episode 8 of Shadow Realm, or a portion of it, where Arya, the protagonist, first meets his Vanar friends, Chimpu and Pandu, and then later on, he connects with the Rishiji. So woven into this episode is the March of the Vanar's theme that Connects first spoke about, and also the Rishiji's theme. I walked through the forest for what seemed like an hour. The air around me was dense with the fragrance of apple blossoms. It reminded me of Ma's digestive drink, which she made from the essence of apple blossoms, and her apple halva, her unique Ayurvedic take on apple pie. I saw a Venus flytrap swallow a fly deep into its thick and thorny stem. And then, something in the trees caught my attention. Right before my eyes, two furry monkey-like creatures with long scraggly tails and bright red bottoms scampered down onto the grass. One of them had a tan fur covering his body, and the other had almost white fur. They looked more like little boys with tails than monkeys. 
Visiji said you'd be coming. You can talk? I don't believe it. We've been stalking you since you arrived this morning. Stalking me? Don't be alarmed. We only did it out of curiosity and good intention. Wait a second. You're not monkeys. You're Vonners, like in the epic. I'm Chimpu. This is my friend Pandu. We saw Rishiji talking to you. And when we saw your delight at the temperamental nature of the wild woods, we knew it must be you. Rishiji? Do you mean the disappearing hermit? Rishiji appears and then disappears. Sometimes you see all of him, sometimes only a part of him, and at other times all you hear is his voice. He behaves more like a sorcerer than a sage. He's actually a bit of both. Sages like him have been infused with Brahman Shakti for thousands of years. What's that? After so long an Arya has finally arrived in wild woods. But you don't even know the meaning of Brahman Shakti. Wait a second. Ma told me about Brahman Shakti. It's like really powerful creative energy that's inside of us. But only a few ever harness it. Look, the Arya has brought the book with him. It would have been safer if you left it at home. If they know you have it, she'll make life even more difficult for us. Who is she? Palchorni, the most evil demon in this part of the forest. She's been sent here to look for the book. But when she sees we don't have it, she captures our young and eats them alive. And then destroys our home. That's horrible. We used to live in Kishkinda, you know, in the southern part of the forest lands. But thanks to Balchorni, we have now become nomads. No matter how many times we keep moving from place to place to escape her, she continues to find us. Now we are in danger of going extinct. We need your help. My help? But I was hoping you could help me. I'm sorry, but I have to get home. Please, if we cease to exist, then who shall remain to bear Hanuman's flag? Only the Vana race is capable of forming his army. Hanuman? Is he also here in the wild woods? No, Hanuman is taking a hiatus. He's spending time in the abode of his spiritual father, Vayu, the Lord of the Wind. Is he dead? Hanuman dead? No, goodness. That's not even possible. It's just that he's entrusted his earthly work to us. At least for some time, while he rejuvenates himself under the blessing of his father's house. His earthly work? Come, we'll show you. I would love to, but I really need to get back home now. Uh, Are you alright? What's the matter? I'm fine. I'm just starving, that's all. We would be honored if you joined us for a community meal. No, that's okay. But everyone has to eat. Come. No, I really need to get... Uh... Was this place close by? They scampered through the trees at a pace that forced me to run in order to keep up. We trampled over the knee-high grasses and through the shrubs, sending fruits and berries flying in all directions. Moments later, we arrived at what looked like a natural jungle gym. 
Scores of banyan trees with big suspended roots stood throughout this part of the forest. Chimpu and Pandu swung from tree to tree, using the roots like swings in a gymnasium. Huddled in the mesh of the branches were Vonners, of every possible shape and size. Old Vonners with wrinkled faces, young and energetic Vonners with mothers, holding furry babies peeping out from behind the leaves. I'd never seen anything like this before. When things calmed down, my eye caught a triangular saffron-colored flag fluttering high at the top of the tallest tree in the center of the jungle gym. It was a sight that filled me with awe. That's Hanuman's flag. It stands for stability, equilibrium, and mind control. And a sure sign of victory of good over evil. <laughs> That's the call for dinner. We're just in time. Come. We sat down to a feast of nuts, fruits, and herbs, which tasted a million times better than it sounds. After eating, they gave me a drink extracted from honeycomb, which reminded me of Ma's cooking. A warm energy spread through my body, like a magic potion had opened the doors of my mind. It's essence of bee pollen, the perfect elixir to soothe your nerves. I casually put my book down on a thick branch which seemed to anger one of the older Vonners. We can't risk it falling into the forest below. Who knows where it might land and who might find it. It's okay, I'll put it here in this tree trunk. It'll be safer here for the meantime. You see? Who's that? That's Buddha. He's the leader of our tribe. Those two Vonners beside him? That's Ranga and Raja. Hmm, I see you've taken to the honey drink. Only those with a unique genetic code from the old world tribes can digest it. I told you we had found him. Thank you for this delicious meal. I have to get back now though. My mother needs me. We are all very sorry to hear about your mother. But you see... Hush! What's the matter? They want me to tell you about Balchoni. She's been after us for a long time. Chimpu and Pandu told me all about her. I'm very sorry, that's horrible. I wish I could do something, but... She is a direct threat to our survival, but her master is a direct threat to life itself. What do you mean? Who's her master? Could an Arya really be asking that question? Huh? Who are you talking about? We are too afraid to say that name out loud. He's the most evil of all the Rakshasas. Ravan? But that's impossible! Ravan is dead. It says so right here in the book. 
Rom killed him by shooting an arrow to his navel. See? Yes, but when he is killed, he sinks to the depths of the netherworld. He stays there for a long, long time so that goodness is given a chance to replenish itself in society. But much as we all love it, good times do not last forever. Why not? Because it's against the rules of the universe. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. The universe makes sense only out of nonsense and that is one of the few things that makes perfect sense. Rishiji? If good was always good, then there would be too much good which would be no good at all. For it is the pull and push between the bad and good that maintains the order of the universe. Goodness can only quell badness until such time as the forces of evil rise up from the netherworld again to enter the battle zone. I don't understand. Are you saying that Ravan has come back to life? Or has life come back to the ways of Ravan? What does he want? It can't be Sita. Does he want to extinguish the Vanar tribe? That and worse. He wants to destroy the book itself. The book? But why? Because history is only created at its source. Ravan wants to erase history completely to prove that good never existed. To show that he was always all-powerful and then use this falsehood to slowly gain his control over the lands. He's been waiting for the book ever since he re-emerged from the netherworld to strike terror once again. There are no more copies left in the wild woods. He has destroyed them all. You have the very last one. And the ways of Ravan's passion were destroyed in the process. Ravan's passion? I still couldn't quite understand what he meant by that, but everything else he said had started to make sense. For the first time, I actually understood Rishiji's words. Well, some of them anyway. You're not serious, are you? Maz Ramayan is really the last one in existence? It's proof that the Vanars and all the good creatures of the wild woods need to be preserved and evidence of the history that Ravan was erased. Now that you understand, can we count on the Arya to protect us from Balthorni? Why me? Why is there no Ram? And where's Hanuman? Quell your eternal inflammation and you will find Ram. Control your mind and you will find Hanuman. Who are you? I, I mean, who are you really? You said that you walked the earth for thousands of years. If this forest is truly where Ram's adventures took place, Wait, are you who I think you are?
Rishiji, where did you go? Follow his voice. He will give you the answers you seek. And when you get them, I hope you will give us the answers we seek. Thank you for listening to The True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.